0: All right, I'll give you a quick update this time on my YouTube channel debut, which is delayed by a couple days. Uh, lots of great racing news, even though it is the preseason. Tons of good gear stuff. Yeah, a whole bunch. Uh, I might not even fit it all in this week, so uh, let's get going. This is Short Travel Magazine. Revolution. Interesting tidbits curated just for you. All right, I'm going to start out this uh, tidbits with some industry news, if you will. Uh, GT Bikes, GT Bicycles, who was one of the original uh, higher end, if you will, BMX brands and mountain bike brands in the early 90s. Um, they kind of, you know, have by the wayside. When's the last time you saw somebody riding a new GT? It's been a decade or more for me. So I was kind of excited to uh, learn that while it's currently under a pond, you know, Cervelo, Santa Cruz, Cannondale, etc. Uh, it's under a one of the divisions of pond it is now going to be spun off into its own standalone division which i believe is what santa cruz and cervello and cannondale is in other words gt is going back to a standalone company and they're moving their headquarters back to california very close to where the original gary turner uh, gt bicycles was founded in california so That's kind of cool. They've actually upped their employees from 8 to somewhere in the 20s. And they're going back to their off-road roots. Because the last time I looked at a GT bike catalog, it had kids' bikes and bike path cruisers. Of course, they've had actually fairly well-received gravel bikes and road bikes. So they are basically just another generic bike brand much like what happened to diamondback and all these other great brands they're just kind of yeah who cares anymore gt does still have a presence with the enduro trail bikes uh, they have a, a small team i believe it's enduro maybe even downhill i don't know i don't i don't really keep track of that side of it but i'm picturing the like some modern actual mountain bikes again the kind. You would actually see on a on a cross-country race course and it'd be cool since santa cruz and cervello both have presence in the world tour at the mountain bike level maybe a team gt would be really cool again because back in the early 90s team gt with rishi gruel and they they had some great great of course julie Furtado. i won't even have to mention her they were, they were one of the top teams in top bikes, and everybody thought they were great. Now, these were mainly hardtails. They're full suspension bikes. By the time they got kind of popular, they were more into the downhill. I don't re- remember anybody actually racing on some of those. What were they, LTS designs? They were kind of weird frame designs back then. So, I don't know. I just got me excited because... Uh, My first real BMX bike, I believe it was in 79 or 80 maybe, 81, was a GT back when it was, you know, the real GT. And like all my other bikes back then, it was stolen out of my garage and I've never had the pleasure of owning one since, so that's kind of a bummer. So good for GT uh, in this weird time in the bike industry that they're actually kind of some positive news. Uh, which leads into some not so positive news, and of course, you've probably seen Shimano took a huge hit as far as profits go uh, in 2023. I mean, it, it, the numbers are actually kind of kind of scary. What is it, 40, 50 percent down uh, in their bike division? And uh, that's not a huge surprise to me. I know they've got some some nice products. There's plenty of uh, big mountain bike teams. And road teams running Shimano. But it really just, they haven't released anything new on the mountain bike side in so long. And I'm not talking about their cheap Q's, uh, 10 and 11 speed stuff. While it sounds like that's, you know, great product for what it is. The XTR stuff has just been sitting every, I, I really thought another year, 24. These teams racing on this exact same group. Uh, now, just because it's new doesn't mean it's better. I get that. SRAM keeps going and going and going. Doesn't mean their crap's any better either. But it, you know, innovation is in the eye of the beholder. What you innovate with is kind of what sets your marketplace, if you will. If are you a leader or are you a follower? And man, I I haven't. I w- I would love to try something other than my current SRAM drivetrains, but um xtr i don't know it just seems too too old right now that's a terrible you know thing to think that something just because it's not the absolute newest that it's no good it's great i'm sure it's great although people do have issues with all this stuff so i'm not terribly surprised at a company i haven't heard anything about about shram i've not heard any actual financials i'm curious maybe i'll go look that up um that doesn't mean they've been doing super great. They could all be doing crap. Uh, Fox uh, bike divisions is were down quite a bit too. I think I said 43% was their revenue in the bike division. So that's not great uh, to begin with. So I don't know exactly what's going on with those type of brands. But I would love to see kind of these lower prices stick around a while longer. I believe... Planet Cyclery just sent out an email. They got the uh, Cervelo full suspension. Uh, what are they? Z? They got horrible names. I can't even remember what they are. X, X or ZFS or something. Whatever. They the uh, the Santa Cruz Blur clones. The kind of mid-range build. Granted, it has a alloy rims, but you know it's got this, the the GX, I believe, uh, transmission. And, you know, Sid Fork is is dollars $6,400, $6, I believe, give or take. And it's like $4,069, which is a pretty decent drop. And that actually puts it in about kind of where I think those bikes should be anyway, uh, four-ish. Uh, so if I didn't uh, already have a bike that I'm happy with I'd probably jump on that deal and just swap out a few components and that would call it a day okay that's enough of the boring industry stuff um, one thing I wanted to mention this could be part of the old school but I'll just do it here uh, Charlie Cunningham he's the he's an old dude he's he's one of the original founders of WTB uh, you know the company that makes the saddles and the tires and actually a bunch of other stuff that most people don't even know about. Grips, all kinds of stuff. Uh, he had a bike accident. And they're not sure even to this day. This was six or seven years ago. What happened? They just kind of found him. Uh, he was able to get up, back up off his bike and get home, I believe. But he was either hit by a car or hit a deer. or They're not sure. But he has a serious brain injury That doesn't appear to be uh, improving enough to where he has now been moved into assisted living type of a facility. And his wife, Jackie Phelan, who this goes really far back, we're talking into the 80s. She was like the original queen of the mountain bike world. Uh, She raced and just was a great mountain bike uh, kind of personality back in the day. That's his wife. She's been selling off things trying to get some money together because of his uh, costly care. It's $8,000 a month or something, which is completely believable as I've kind of been looking into that stuff for my mother-in-law. These places per month are extremely, extremely expensive. Whether you have insurance or not, they don't cover it all. They don't cover certain parts of it. So, anyway, if you just Google Charlie Cunningham, he's got a GoFundMe. He's had one up for a while. And I don't know. I don't generally partake in those type of uh, GoFundMe things. It takes quite a lot. But that I can kind of relate to um, when she talks about how he's just been getting to the point where she can't take care of it anymore. And now she's selling off some of his kind of prized possessions. Kind of bum me out. So if anybody's feeling generous, feel free to donate in any way you can to Charlie Cunningham and his family. Uh, What else? Uh, um, Zwift. I actually just canceled my Zwift subscription. Uh, Long story, I'll go into that some other day. But there's that uh, Finals. I don't know if you've ever seen that on YouTube. These Zwift finals, where they take—I believe it's like a hundred thousand people who start, and they whittle it down, and then they pick three male and three female uh, riders to compete for a pro contract. Uh, it's a great little series. It used to be on GCN, um, and now it's you know kind of an independent thing, but it's still around and it's still enjoyable. So I was watching the three. Uh, finalist of each it's episode one and two I, I i think there's three there's only three or four it's not a long series but i enjoyed it last couple of years because you kind of get to see these people who are generally fairly young uh, there's occasionally a 30 year old in there but most of them are very early 20s and you get to kind of watch watch them go through the paces you got uh Canyon SRAM on the women's side in Alpeson de Kunik or whatever it's called nowadays, Phoenix something, uh, Matthew Vanderpoel's team and you know the, the actual coaches and directors of that team go through with these people and they kind of evaluate them and then they end up picking a winner and they get pro contracts it's wonderful but something I particularly noticed this season and I'm sure you would too is these riders are riding and riding and training and Doing tests and the entire, at least this is how I kind of interpreted, the entire exercise of picking these people was all about numbers. That's all any of them talked about. Their power numbers, their threshold numbers, their this numbers. And I don't remember seeing this, but they're they're poking them in the earlobe and taking blood drops right on the road, right, at, right in the middle of their training with a little machine. I'm, I'm assuming they're measuring blood oxygen or glucose or whatever, but they're actually poking these people's ears and then looking at the numbers. And then the racers, all they talk about, yeah, my numbers were this, my numbers were that. It looked absolutely depressing and miserable. To be honest, I cannot imagine doing that, riding and training and only focused on these technical numbers. And, you know, I've read people talking about that over the years the pro saying how it's all of, that's all of anybody worries about anymore and it was kind of depressing almost like god you you know now granted one was 19 the other ones were 22 when you're that age and you're got a, a shot at a pro team like that you will do anything i'm sure they're used to running numbers all day they all have coaches this is nothing new but when you watch it and you realize that's really all they're discussing—not how did you feel? You think you could have went harder? It was ah no, I did this number for this amount of miles, and I should have done this number, and I would have been better if I did this. Like oh my lord, I don't, I would not want to be doing that. Uh, the other thing that caught my focus was how I can imagine all the. Uh, doping uh, scandals happen even now. Back in the day, these young athletes were quite literally at kind of the command of these uh, directors and coaches that were analyzing them. I mean, I'd be like, "Hey, don't don't be poking my earlobe ten times a day," you know, all that stuff. So I can easily see how if, if your sport you're on a pro team and you're guy says do this this is what you need to do this is what the whole team's doing even though it's illegal and you know it's wrong I I, it just even became clearer why it was so easy for some of these riders to just do what they're told because that's seems to be like the environment they're in they got a Matthew Vanderpool I'm sure he has much more pull than your average uh, rider on a team that nobody ever heard of but I don't know it's kind of a bummer Kind of bummed me out at the end. So I'll finish watching it, but if you get a chance to watch it, let me know what you think on that. Drop me an email or something. Uh, All right, that's enough about that. Let's do some quick racing stuff. Racing news and views. All right, preseason races are in full swing. First of all, the Tropical Challenge in Puerto Rico. That was something that just happened, and... Uh, A couple of the big-name American riders were there. You got Gwendolyn Gibson, uh, Riley Amos, Christopher Blevins, and some Canadians. Uh, That just happened. And Blevins won. Amos Riley got third. And Vidari, Martin Martin Vidari. I don't even know how to say his name. He's got a very long name. My apologies to Martin. Uh, He got second. He was a big under-23 guy for the last year or two. So, excellent. Uh, Gwen Gibson, I believe, won every race of the weekend. I think there was a short track and a, and a uh, regular race. So, pretty good results. Now, it wasn't the toughest competition in the world, but, you know, just because it's in Puerto Rico and there aren't World Cup racers there doesn't mean that the uh, other athletes are not super fast because they are. Uh, Some from Brazil went over there, and so that's kind of cool. Now you have your uh, Super Cup Masi, the Banyoles race that happened over the weekend. Uh, That that one is online, and I I have to give a little kudos to uh, that series, the Masi, Super Cup Masi series, because the announcers on there, I think it's Jose Hermida. It sounds like him. I didn't really look to see who it was. But he will do some Spanish announcing, you know, for a minute or two. And then he will actually, the same person will just do it in English. So it's much more tolerable to watch these live streams. And at least you have some idea kind of what's going on. So I would like to, that would be a great way to do it more often. Um, A lot of these just have only... Spanish, and so I kind of have to hope I can recognize, you know, when they say Orlando Neff, okay, well, I know I can tell the names of people. But I don't know. I thought that was really, really cool. I don't remember that last year so much. Uh, I didn't pay attention. But anyway, now that was much more like a World Cup. Victor Koretsky kind of uh, of killed everybody there by, you know, good – 30 seconds to a minute Jordan Saru, Tituan Karad, then of course Pauline and her second uh race blew everybody away like she did in some of these other races in years past so she's blown everybody away in her first two preseason I don't know she doesn't usually go that fast this early in the in the year when she's shooting you know for the Olympics in July so, If this is any indication, um, she's going to be extremely tough to beat, I think, this year. Yolanda F number two, and Sevilia Blunk, my favorite U.S. women's rider right now. Not favorite because I like her over Haley Batten or any of these other women, just because she is on the tear at the moment. Uh, First and a bunch of thirds against really some absolute top-notch other racers. So that's cool. So, I, so far, you know, uh, we have to mention New Zealand, Anton Cooper for his ninth national championship, nine in a row. Uh, that's nothing to sneeze at. That's not easy to do at all. In the short track and the XCO, by the way, he's, he's won both. Uh, and Samara Maxwell uh, won hers, and she won in the elite, even though she is, what? Just just coming out of the... Is she still under 23? She's very, very young. I think she might actually be still under 23. I forget. Um. So, that's kind of cool. So far, it's been an excellent season. All kind of the usual players are at the front. Um, so, that's kind of a fun thing. Now, let's also talk about the Cape Epic coming up in March. That is one of my favorite races. Always always a, a an excellent week uh to look forward to i work at home and while i'm working i have that going uh full you know the full broadcast from start to finish off to the side uh on my laptop or a tv and I, I don't know it's just great it makes me very psyched to get out and ride when that's on and the weather's often kind of not so great here in march but it kind of pushes me out the door So this year, um, you know, every year these teams switch around and and whatnot. But Nino and Sebastian Finney, of course, I already mentioned that, I believe, last time, is going to be a great team. And Sebastian Finney is no slouch. And, of course, we all know where Nino stands. So that should be an interesting combination. I'm not saying I necessarily think they're going to blow everybody away, but... Just an interesting combination. Now, one that just kind of came through in the last day or so. This is for the U.S. uh, riders. Alexis Scarta, who is a, seems to be primarily a gravel rider right now. She does the Lifetime series, and she does quite well at it. Quite, quite well. She's in the, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to go look up her position. She was in the top five, I believe. Maybe even third. I don't know. She's really fast on a gravel bike. And she does enough uh, cross-country stuff to do well in the Lifetime Series in in some of these longer, kind of more gravel-like races like, um, you know, Shawamagon and the Sea Otter. Those are very long kind of races, not at all like uh, short cross-country Olympics. So, her and Vera Lucer now, Vera lucer has been doing the long marathon stuff for many years, so... I think those two could do quite well. That's interesting. Alexis Scarta, who I would not picture wanting to do something like Cape Epic, he's uh, going to enter. So hats off to her. I can't wait to see what goes on there. Of course, Matt Beers was one of the, uh, I believe they won it with Blevins. That team specialized, whatever they were called. And uh, Blevins has already said he's not going to do Cape Epic. So uh, Howard Grotz, who has won it before. Uh, from Colorado he's kind of stepped back for a few years I believe it was a college thing right he was graduating uh, it, it, it is college and he's kind of back racing now and he is he is fast like Cape Epic he's up there I mean uh, Leadville he's up there he is a he could be an interesting companion so I can't wait to see how that goes I think this is going to be a fantastic uh, group of teams this year at the Cape Epic. So, more will probably be announced in the next couple of weeks uh, as we get closer and closer. Although, I would think that they've already de- determined. It's kind of surprising to see Alexis Garda announcing now. I mean, that race is only a couple of weeks away. You'd think you'd have to have that. Maybe she did plan it out earlier. Anyway, uh, one last mention of racing. Sophia Waite a U.S. junior under, I think she's under 23, even a junior maybe. She's very young. She's on BH uh, Coloma, I believe, out of Spain, which is kind of a, it's Valero's team. It's kind of a re- Spanish regional thing. I mean, you see you see them at the World Cups, but they're not, you know, at the aside from Valero, you typically don't see them at the very, 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 very front. So I didn't even know that uh, BH had a U.S. writer on any of their teams. And it's kind of cool, because she actually just got third, I believe, this weekend at one of these, uh, at the Messi-Bagnoles race, I believe. I could be wrong. But uh, she is fast, and she's in some of their videos. They put out, like, kind of videos. And she's one of the few who can who speaks perfect English, so... Um, I don't know, I enjoy it. I'm going to be keeping an eye on her. I never even heard of her before. I may uh, actually do a little interview with her in the next couple of weeks because she seems like uh, she really enjoys this type of racing. So that's it. Uh, I will say one last thing that has nothing to do with anything, nobody matters. Miguel Indurain, um, did I mention that last week? He's racing mountain bikes uh you know a little more in his i think he's not he's not doing world cups but some of the more kind of stage racing and things like that but he announced uh he's he's sponsored by scott now and he just showed his official mountain bike and he's going full hardtail only hardtail for him which i think is kind of cool uh i don't know why kind of not surprising uh, you know a traditional road only pro to me, it makes perfect sense. Hey, that's that doesn't mean I'll end up on one. You wait, wait till he gets a few hundred uh, miles of rough racing. Suddenly, he's on a on a uh, spark like like Nino. So anyway, that's it for racing news. It's kind of getting really good now in the next couple weeks. So let's talk very quickly a couple gear things, and then we'll wrap this one up. Changing gears, more new stuff we don't really need. Um, electronic suspension, that's where we're going right off the bat. Olin's, the, uh, shock maker for Team BMC, Jordan Saru, already has, in fact, he had it on his bike this weekend, a fully electronic fork and rear shock, uh, system. I didn't see any wires coming out of it, like the Pinarello, Pinarello Suntour system, uh, and, a, and I didn't see any battery on the fork. Which is interesting because I did see what looked like a battery on the rear shock uh, where the shock meets the frame towards the uh, pointing towards the head tube. You can see what looks like a removable battery of some kind. But the fork just looked like a normal fork. So they must have shoved a battery down into either the left or right uh, tube and... Interesting. So I, I didn't see that coming. They just kind of announced the cross-country fork as officially being for sale, and it's it's fifteen hundred and something grams, I believe, at one twenty travel. But that is not super heavy. That actually is much lighter, kind of, than I expected for a company like Olin's. Um, cost a fortune. No shock there. I think it's fifteen or sixteen hundred bucks for just the fork, so that rules it out for pretty much anybody uh, out there, the normal folk, if you will. Um, so of course you got now you got Pinarello, Pinarello something. Why can't I say that? And SunTour, you got uh, Olens. Foxes have the live valve, but I haven't seen any cross country people using that. Um, really, I mean that's not. I haven't seen anybody at least in a while, have that on their bike. And then, of course, the uh, Flight flight Attendant, which is already seems to be ready to go at any time, I would imagine, in the next month or so, that's going to be full-on released. Because it already looks finished. It's on virtually every SRAM rider's bikes this last weekend, um, if not everybody. In fact, I think everybody that I saw did have it. And that leaves Manitou, who hasn't even been able to get their Uh, New cross-country products officially released. They're still, like, prototype-looking graphics. Uh, It seems to be taking quite a long time on that, but, you know, at least they're in the game. So just as soon as they get that out, everybody else will be on electronic suspension, and then they'll have to kind of go for the, uh, I don't want any more electronic crowd and, uh, and by a few years, maybe until they can get something. So that's definitely the way of the future. There's no, absolutely no doubt. No, there hasn't been any doubt for ever since Flight Attendant came out, in my opinion, that that's where we're going. But I did not see Olin's coming out so quickly with that. That's kind of interesting. Um, Rock. Speaking of Manitou, Rock Rider Race 940S, the official high end bike that uh, that team, Decathlon, Ford team is using is officially for sale and no Manitou suspension on there which is kind of a bummer. I would be really cool to buy a replica bike. I'm assuming they're going to do that if the Manitou stuff isn't ready, although they could throw a current generation Manitou R7 or whatever they're using. I don't that I don't get. That's kind of the whole draw to me to those bikes is that they're using unusual components compared to everybody else throw throw a TRP drivetrain on there throw a Manitou fork throw some TRP brakes you know do it a little different so that's actually officially available the prices on them honestly didn't look particularly great uh, so at least that's finally out now uh, let's talk about Luca Schwartz power I get it I know everybody calls him that Schwartz power he uh, released pictures of his new bike and it's kind of a weird ugly paint color doesn't go with his purple outfit, which, by the way, they have changed their purple outfits. Uh, they're a little, little different this year, a little more kind of light, light purple. Uh, but something that caught my eye is the Time XC12 pedals he has on his bike now. I don't remember him or anybody else using those pedals at the World Cup level. Sram so bought Time a few years ago, and I thought, oh, finally, they're going to have like Shimano, you know, not only drivetrain, they'll have some pedals. I mean, it seems like a kind of an obvious choice. I thought they might buy HT uh, pedals, which is what everybody else seems to be using uh, if they're not on Shimano uh, or, or Crank Brothers, like and F. So, maybe SRAM is gonna release the Time XC12 pedals, And maybe they're going to rebrand them as Ram pedals, I don't know. But it seems like that is going to happen because pedals are a personal thing. And to see some World Cup people now using them, uh, interesting. I mean, they they were quite popular back in the 90s when they first came out. They were a different design entirely from SPDs. They were more like Crank Brothers kind where they have these two big kind of loops Um, but they don't seem to have changed them. It looks exactly the same design. So that's kind of cool. What else? Let's talk a little about the SRAM AXIS, the new pod. There is a fifth design. That's right. They have currently four versions of the uh, controller pods. Well, the pods are what they call the new style that go with the transmission. Um, I bought one immediately when they first came out because I thought, you know, I bet these two individual buttons would be really nice instead of the uh, big flapper thing, paddle as they call it, and I re- lasted about a week and returned it, went back to the big paddle. The little buttons, I just couldn't quite get in a position that I, I liked. So, there's two versions of that new pod with two different kind of button designs. I only had the cheaper one, but so there is a fifth, and they've already had plenty of photos of it. It, it basically is the new pod shape where it's kind of small and compact and it's on kind of a much skinnier little arm that you can rotate under the bars Uh, when I say rotate I mean not in the normal direction of kind of up or down but hard to describe but they have gone back to the kinda original very original paddle design where you it's got a little nubbin that you can reach around with your index finger and shift Uh, that third way, and that to me is the whole reason I kept the original Axis controllers, because I absolutely fell in love with the ability to use my index finger like you could in the old Shimano days. Maybe you can still do that with the Shimano? I don't know. It's been so long since I had a Shimano shifter. I don't even remember. So that's kind of cool. Now that also is ready to go. I mean, it's got the graphics on it. It looks completely ready to go. Nino, of course, used it last year in a bunch of races like midway through the year he already had that on his bike even though nobody was talking about it so I look forward to that cuz the extra ability to rotate that kinda in the vertical plane might just be the ultimate way to get that thing positioned not only left and right up and down but even rotate it to kinda match your finger angle so that's cool that should be out I'm guessing all this stuff's gonna come out before the Olympics Uh, What else? A couple other quick things. Um, Trek, I'm curious if they have some new version of the Super Caliber coming already. No, I I mean, 24 was a new year, came out last year officially. But Riley Amos had some uh, Instagram posts where he was kind of blocking out parts of the bike. And they only, you know, do that when something new is coming. And if you look at the bikes that they're racing, they're the exact same bikes That they raced on last year. Same colors, same graphics. They generally do change that stuff. So I would not also be surprised if they change something up, maybe for the first World Cup in Brazil, and all of a sudden there is some tweak, even if it's just a different shock. Nah, they're not. I don't know. It's going to be interesting because that's the bike I have my eye on. Um, It kind of matches what I would use a cross-country bike for better than others as I do a lot of kind of gravel and pavement riding on mine so interesting to see I can't wait to see what else is going to change uh, come uh, April with the Brazil World Cups as far as bikes go I can't afford any of them and half these companies sound like they're half out of business anyway so who knows maybe they'll just keep everything the same uh, what else I think that's long enough for now I think we will save it some of these other ones for next week oh uh, while I'm here um, I do want to mention the YouTube channel debut I've already actually shot some and i'm I'm kind of finalizing the format of it I, I don't want to do the same stuff everybody else does but uh so I'm not I don't want to just throw it out there and then start over again in in a month. So bear with me a little bit. I think you will enjoy what I have coming as far as just new stuff to watch on YouTube uh, relating to uh, cross country and bikes and gear and racing and stuff. So hang in there. It's almost ready. Um, My goal might be to finish uh, podcasts with episode 25. I plan on still doing them if I don't do something separate I will just do the uh, video kind of a transcript like uh, Joe Rogan does if you've ever seen him he posts podcasts and parts of the video so I'm not sure but uh, it's gonna be exciting uh, March 1st is my goal it's about a couple days away here to have something running so let's see what happens all right off we go see you next time Thank you ever so much for listening to Short Travel Magazine.